Okay, welcome back to the Golf Preview Podcast and RJ Bell's Dream Preview. My name is Will Doctor, alongside James Ledbetter. Nice to have you aboard as we give you uh, the latest as far as PGA Tour handicapping is concerned for the Travelers Championship. Uh, Led, what a finish at the U.S. Open last week for uh, for Matthew Fitzpatrick. I was I was convinced about halfway through Sunday that we were for sure going to get a playoff, but uh, he had other plans. Yeah, Doc, I got a personally apologize to the listeners i did not think he was going to be able to get it done this week um just because i don't know i feel like a lot of the time the you know heartfelt oh we won the usam here uh he's gonna you know he's got good vibes coming in the u.s open um a lot of people had matt fitzpatrick this week so congrats to them but yeah i mean when you're looking at uh Boston sports legends, I guess, you know, you got Larry Bird, Tom Brady, and got to add Matthew Fitzpatrick to that list now. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I, I was rewatching uh, some of Fitzpatrick interviews yesterday and, and he was asked what, uh, what Saturday night was like going to sleep with the lead and, and the thoughts that were going through his mind at, um, you know, that anticipation, all the talk about being the 2013 am, I mean, usually it just, that kind of narrative crumples golfers, um, you know, any kind of incentive like that. Uh, but, you know, he, he was very honest about being anti Sunday morning and, you know, how he was counting down the minutes to get to the first tee um, and, and ultimately executed the game plan once more um, on Sunday to win his first event in the States. But, uh, you know, the key moments, that, that bomb on 13 and, uh, you know, the, the birdie on 15 to take the lead by two after a terrible tee shot um, really stuck in my mind. The shot on 18 was incredible out of the bunker. I did think Zal Torres was going to send it to a playoff. Um, and I mean, he, hit a, he hit a perfect putt right on the lip. Saw the caddy went with the 1% uh, aim point read. And, uh, yeah, it was high-sided you know, tough Rizal now who's got, was that three runner ups in, in majors, but uh, you know, he said in his press conference keeps knocking on the door. It'll, it'll eventually open. Um, you know, Fitzpatrick is on that kind of media tour right now. I saw he was in New York and, you know, going on the pardon my takes and <laughs> going through yeah. everything. I didn't realize, um, you know, how much speed he really has. I guess he was, you know, knocking it by Zalatoris, who's one of the longer guys out there. And, um, he talked about how he was using this, uh, you know, exercise equipment or they called stacks or something where you pretty much had been able to gain five, six miles per hour in the last couple of years here. And, um, you know, for a guy who's been a pretty accurate player, his whole career, the fact that he now, you know, not only is he not giving up distance, he's, you know, gaining strokes on the field, uh, off the tee. He, you know, going forward, he's going to be a major threat in a lot of these uh, bigger events. He seemed, you know, especially, you know, three, four years ago, like more of the Brian Harmon almost profile. If it was the right golf course, if the you know weather conditions were tough, that was kind of his game. But now it seems like he can pretty much win on any golf course. And just the fact that he got the monkey off the back, not only from a major standpoint, but just from winning a PGA tour tour event. Uh there, you know, there all had been guys in the past who had been struggling to, you know, break through. Um, I mean, technically Shane Lowry is one of those guys who hasn't won the PGA tour yet. You know, the British Open is technically a PGA tour event. So, but you know, winning over in the States, Lee Westwood was a guy who struggled for a couple of years and then he finally broke through. I think it was at like the St. Jude uh a while ago. But um 
it's not been a, like a sure thing that these elite players that's came over from the European tour, the DP world tour, as it's now called um, have come to the U S and just dominated. So the fact that Fitzpatrick said, you know, I was listening to one of his interviews. He's like, the fact that I can just, no matter what happens in my career, I'm a major champion. I'm, you know, I've won the U S open. Uh, that's going to be nice coming down the stretch in the, you know, in the years to come uh, when he's playing in these big golf tournaments. Yeah. I liked how, how he said that, you know, if anything, there's going to be so many bad moments in his, in a, over the course of a golf career, but you know, he, that the fact that he can always say that um, is a big plus to the mental aspect of the game. Yeah. And also he, he becomes, he became the, uh, I think the youngest U S open champion from England since Nick Faldo. Um, I think most of the Englishmen in the last 20 years that have won a U.S. Open have won it in their 30s. Uh, but we move R. on. R.I.P. R.I.P. Nick Nick Faldo. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, yeah. He's call, he is calling it a career. Uh, I saw. I think they have Trevor Immelman slated to to come in there. I'm not sure he's quite going to be able to do the job. That I I mean, say what you want about Faldo, but I thought he did a pretty good job uh, for almost you know 20 years here. I thought um, I thought he was gonna I thought he was gonna ride out with Jim um, until the end, and yeah. uh, I, I personally I am okay with with Immelman, but I'm also disappointed that uh, you know th- th- there's no factual details that have come out about this, but I, I can only imagine that Phil was was lined up uh, for that position uh, to sit in the chair next to Jim. Yeah, whether it's because he wants to continue to play golf or this other, you know, the live the live stuff came up. Um, that's definitely not going to be the case. Another major goes by for Rory. You know, he, he yeah. was kind of he was he was kind of in there. You know, he's done that kind of thing where he's you know, we talked about this where he's in contention, but he's not really in contention kind of thing. Um, you know, we talked about how he loves the, the backdoor top 10 or whatever you want to call it you know, got off to a great start in the event, but kind of just faded on the weekend like uh, he has done. So, man, it's as each major goes by, it's weird. You think at some point, uh, man, it's I guess, I mean, like well, Torres, right? Yeah, let I, the door, but. I feel it's really starting to build now that, uh, you know, we, we had the live tour stuff going on. Rory is is now um, where, you know, being looked at as, you know, a voice of a tour, a guy that I feel the expectations on Rory right now are a bit higher than they have been over the last three, four years. I mean, everyone wants him back in the winner's circle as a major champion. Uh, but I feel there's this, you know, extra incentive, uh, for him to win. Uh, and he's done it this year. He's done it twice this year, but, you know, especially in majors, it's now been what, almost nine years. Um, and, and if he does end up winning a major, let's say he wins the open. I mean, it's a, it's a statement for the tour for sure. Yeah. And I think the thing is too, that makes it so tough is the fact that there's just only four majors a year. Yeah. You know I mean, it's, you know, you play the masters, if you finish tidy there and then you're like, okay, we got three left and it is kind of like a countdown, you know, granted what's Rory. He's 37. What is he? He's not that old. Yeah, he? yeah, early 30s, somewhere in there. I don't think he's reached 35 yet. Let's say mid-30s, right? Yeah. So realistically, he, you know, from a competitive standpoint, let's say he's got like 30 more majors in him, at least, where he can be competitive. I mean, who Roy's knows? Roy's 33. 
33. I don't know yeah. why I thought he's older. I guess you've got that touch of gray. He's got the gray, dude. He's he, he's really graying out. No offense yeah. to Roy, but really is graying out. Okay, so let's say he's got 10. Let's say he's got 40 more majors, right? Let's say till he's 43. I mean, he could play till he's 51, potentially. Who the hell knows? But, um, you know, when you look at it, grand scheme of things, you know, 40, he's got 40 more majors c- c- to contend in. But I think the way the schedule fits and stuff like that, right? It's like we got the British Open in a couple weeks here. Um, but it's got to be tough for, you know, guy, and it's going to be going on eight, nine years where he hasn't won a major. And it's one of those things where, by the time he gets to August, if he has doesn't hasn't won a major, he's got to wait like seven more months for the Masters to you know potentially compete in one. And now it's like a lot of pressure on him heading into St Andrews. That should be a course that really sets up well for them for him. I remember, I don't know if it was uh, a couple years, might have been two British Opens ago where uh, Rory shot like sixty five at St Andrews and was like leading, and then shot eighty the second round. Um, so he's kind of been one of those players that fluctuates up and ups and down, up and down, but hopefully he can just, uh, figure it out, you know, cause it's, it's, it's tough for someone who has that much talent and should certainly be winning. I mean, the way he plays, he should almost win a major every two years. You know what I mean? And the fact that he hasn't won eight or nine is, uh, is tough. Well, as you said, the problem with Rory is that right now he cannot follow up good rounds whether it's, you know, right now we're kind of seeing the second round has been an issue. The third round always seems to play well in the first and fourth round. But I think a a big positive for this year for Rory is, um, you know, his putting numbers are the best they've been, you know, since he was in major form. Um, You know, he's been working with Brad Faxon, say thanks to him, but I think that's a major plus. Um, You know, let's say he doesn't win the Open. If he can keep up the good putting through the end of the season, I feel that gives him a huge sample size of, of showing him that, Hey, I, I can, you know, I can put up to that standard again. And that should be a big positive heading into to the first major of the season in Augusta, where he could complete the grand slam. And, you know, we said we'd maybe touch on live versus PJ yeah. Tour and stuff like that. It's just interesting how, you know, FedEx cup Rory's not worried about money. The guy would trade five FedEx cups for one major right now. Realistically. Yeah. You know what I mean? So there's some scheduling weird situation. I feel like the PGA tour needs to get better at where um, I don't know if, cause realistically a lot of these majors are pretty tight, tightly bunched. Like, honestly, once we get to August, I'm not really that interested in the in doc. We, we talked about it. the FedEx cup. Isn't like must see TV. Yes. It's exciting. It's compelling $10 million, but for a guy like Scotty Scheffler, uh, you know, if he's already won $15 million on tours, are we getting that excited about, you know, 10 more million or something like that? The the reason that FedEx Cup really gets exciting, right, is potentially someone will have a six-footer for that, you know, grand prize. But for the most part, a lot of these top players, the main kind of point is I'm just saying we care about the majors. They could play be playing for no money. and <laughs> It's like the majors mean more, you know. So I feel like there could be a way in a scheduling where, I don't know if they're a little more dispersed dispersed throughout the season. Obviously, it's tough. There's not many places in February that you could have a, a major at, but you know, maybe having one every three months or, or something like that. Where, uh, man, it feels like you blink and all the majors are done, and then you know, FedEx Cup is some people watching, some people aren't, kind of thing. And it's tough. Obviously, you're going up against NFL schedules and 
Well, and, and, and um, I, I do like the FedEx Cup. There's a couple things that I would change about it. There's too many events in the playoffs uh, for golf. I mean, you're, you're talking about a four or five-week stretch uh, where you lose the interest of the viewer. And then the way that they start at the Tour Championship uh, in order of where they are in the FedEx Cup is ridiculous. Uh, you know, we talk about how uh, the lives 54 hole shotgun format. I'm not a fan of that, but at the same time, I cannot stand uh, how in the tour championship last year, Patrick Canley starts with a four shot lead. Uh, yeah. I, I think there's a lot of things that could be changed. And to your point about spacing out majors, um, the PGA tour definitely has to make the fall more interesting. You know, once the, yeah. the champ tour championships over um, you know, we do our thing, you know, once a week here, uh, giving out picks. But other than that, the viewer is not interested in, in the PGA Tour fall season. Uh, yeah. Doc, one one more thing I just want to – and then we'll get into the betting. Uh, yeah. I saw a tweet about, you know, potentially the qualifying school, right, and how they're going to compete – or just PGA Tour competing with Liv. If you got a top amateur, right, let's say they're not in the top five, so they're not getting the PGA Tour starts, the PGA Tour University situation. Yeah. Um, they were talking about how – unappetizing or non-appetizing or how bad it is that the fact that a guy out of college has got to go play six got to go pay $6,500 to go to Q school to get on corn Ferry tour where you're not really going to make that much money. And they were talking about how if Q school for being that expensive, there should be some spots available to get right onto the PJ tour. You know what I mean? I think for a lot of these guys coming out of the college, for them to potentially go to Q school where you're a year away from potentially, you know, being on the PJ tour versus live, right. You're getting 120 grand baseline in your first start. They've got to figure out something with Q school to make it a little more appetizing. I think. Yeah. I, um, so I mean, as of this year, and this is the first year that the PGA tour U has done it. I mean, if you're, if you are a top five player, at the end of the college season, then you get to play the last half of the corn Ferry tour, uh, which is great improvement. However, I do agree. If you're a top five player coming out of college, you need guaranteed PGA tour status uh, for the next calendar year. I feel like you look around at other sports and um, you know, I guess baseball, you start at single a or double a or low a, but every other sport, um, you know, tennis, you know, you come out of school, if you're signed a huge endorsement contract, you're, you're playing, you know, you're getting exemptions, Wimbledon, US Open, whatever, NFL, you know, there, I mean, there is no other option, you go straight to the league, NBA, you know, your first round pick is not starting in the G League, um, mm. you know, the, the, the top players at the end of the collegiate season need to have a chance to go straight to the PGA Tour, I, um, I agree, but, uh, you know, one more notion on that thought I, if you were a top as of right now if you're a top five player at the end of a of an ncaa season you do have the the end of the corn Ferry tour season uh to try to make something happen uh, that being said is that um is that really giving them a fair shake a fair yeah. chance you know to only get what six to eight events at the back half of the season um you know maybe that can be reevaluated a little bit yeah that's for another day but back to betting uh Doc, from a betting standpoint, how was your week at US Open? I had uh, I hit another best bet with Hideki top twenty plus one fifty, which was nice. I had Aaron Wise in a top twenty 
uh, the guy was uh, shot 74-75 on the weekend to uh, finish 26th. That unfortunately did not hit. Um, but yeah, I had Decky at 40 to one, had Colin at 32 to one. Both those guys finishing in the top five. Can't really ask for much more. Obviously, Fitz got it done, but uh, we were right in there. Yeah, I had a good week uh, as far as my matchups and my picks to places were concerned. Had Spieth uh, over Cameron Smith. I mean, Spieth finished, I think, somewhere T42, shot seven over for the week. I know that. Luckily, he played better than Smith. Uh, and then Riley over Gooch cashed, uh, cashed at the halfway point, and that was my best bet uh, for, the, for the big pod. Um, Gooch did not play well, just as we expected, fresh off the first live tour event. Um, you know, he's making guaranteed money, so he's checked out. Um, and as for our picks to place, had the Matthew Fitzpatrick top 10 ticket. Uh, Hideki had an incredible backdoor fourth place finish. We had a top 20 ticket on him. Um, you know, and then we lost the Joaquin Neiman top 20 and the uh, Rom top five dream or golf preview podcast best bet. So um some pros and cons last week i I feel you know um getting back over just 51 percent in the matchups and picks to place was a big positive but um was my second uh golf preview podcast best bet lost in a row uh so u.s opens are u.s opens are a little fluky though sometimes you look at a guy like hovland who guy was in the top 10 through 27 holes and ends up missing the cut by three because he got on a big bit of a bogey turn on the back nine. I mean, that absolutely just destroyed my DraftKings lineup. But well, Rom team- and and as for Rom, you know, he looked like he was gonna, you know, possibly win the thing on Sunday. Shoots shoots three over and finishes ninth. I mean, what do yeah, you gonna double do? on the double on 18 on Saturday was shocking. Brutal. Shocking. Yeah. I think yeah, he, I'm but- pretty sure he bladed a wedge into that lip, which it happens. It's golf, I guess. Got to keep yeah, that in mind. Six good shots and route to double. Um, you Let's know, get into travelers, Led. Let's do it. Uh, for being right after the U.S. Open, the field is pretty stacked. Uh, we have Scotty Scheffler, Sam Burns, Rory, uh, Jordan Spieth, Patrick Cantlay. We did have Justin Thomas. He just withdrew because of a back issue. Um, he was still able to attend the, uh, players only meeting, I believe, um, about that. but yeah, uh, honestly, it's interesting. It's almost like a all hands on deck approach that, uh, the PJ tour is trying to get their stars. Um, yeah, led, led, we've noticed, I mean, going down, uh, this list, a lot of guys are on their fifth, their sixth week in a row. Yeah. Which is a lot of golf, uh, John Deere next week looks it looks like it's the Daniel Berger and Brian Harmon invitational with a bunch of other people that I've never heard of. Um uh, Lucas we'll, Glover. We'll see. Like if, a we'll see if Berger shows up to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And even if he does, he might not play. Um, anyways, though, Travelers Week, Cromwell, Connecticut, TPC River Highlands, designed by Bobby Weed, Howard Twitty, and Roger Maltby who made a nice little uh, appearance last week at the U.S. Open. It's good to hear his voice again. Definitely brought back some uh, some feels, you know, even the Tigers, Tory 08. Uh, miss you know, that, that guy. A, yeah, I do miss that guy. He's got a, he's got a nice calming voice. Um, I feel like he uh, could do, uh, you know, some 
some, you know, some audio book work for sure. I feel like it's still work, but he probably doesn't have to. So he's probably, you know, playing 18 every day, a couple transfusions, maybe, maybe call, maybe call him to Sirius XM once a week. Yeah. Living life, Roger Malpe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let us for this week, um, TPC river Highlands. I mean, there's not many comparisons that it has to the country club. Uh, it does have the same, um, greens as far as, you know, it has the boa or sorry, the poa and, uh, and bent mix. I like that. That's what we're going to have to call it from now on. Boa, boa, bent and poa. (laughs) Yeah. That works. That works. They have boa greens, but the, the resemblance that I see ninth smallest greens on tour, uh, here at river Highlands. So, um, I'm zoned into the precise ball striking again, led. Yep. Uh, it's a par 70, it's 6,800 yards. Um, you said it was the sixth shortest course on tour, I believe. Fourth. Fourth. For, for Fourth. whatever it's worth. Uh, only 58 on tour was shot here. So guys do go low. It's not like this pitch and putt golf course where it's 25 under, but definitely, you know, it being a par 70, a guy starts off five under through seven, you know, six under through eight kind of scenario. You know, we, we go back to uh, Patrick Cantley shot 60 as an amateur here um, a couple of years ago. Now, in terms of some past winners, we have, you know, Russell Knox, uh, Jordan Spieth, Bubba Watson, Ches Reeby, Dustin Johnson, Harris English, kind of all over the place in terms of, uh, you know, you can be a bomber. You can be more of a placement guy like a Russell Knox or a Ches Reeby. I was looking back to last year. I remember uh, Harris English won an eight-hole playoff over Kramer Hickok oh last gosh. year. It was a, uh, I mean, that's a lot of that's a lot of golf. It's yeah, like, after three playoff holes, just do it closest to the pin or something. Uh, <laughs> and just noting on your um, on the comment, you know, the the winners have just you know had a mixed style of play. Uh, you know, the fairways aren't that narrow. Twenty fifth. Um, on tour as far as far as narrowness is concerned there is four inch thick rough so if you do end up missing fairways you know it's it's hell going into the small greens yeah a little stat for you um guys average 0.46 over par when they're hitting their second shot from the rough here's six so what that means it's the sixth most important fairways to hit on tour among all the events so um you do need to be hitting fairways to play well this week. The fact that that winning score is probably going to be, you know, 16, 20 under par uh, area means, you know, if you're missing four or five, maybe even six fairways around, right. That's pretty much three bogeys looking at those stats. Right. And you better be making seven, eight birdies to kind of hang in this thing all week. So I don't think you want to take those guys that are hitting 50% of the fairways. Um, Obviously, it's not like a U.S. Open. You should be able to advance the ball around the greens, but with those small greens, um, it's not going to be the easiest uh, challenge in the world. Um, other things I've kind of looked at, uh, you know, Bubba Watson is a three-time winner here. Uh, obviously, the king of being able to shape it both ways. I was kind of liking Justin Thomas this week in terms of the fact that it is a bit of a uh, shot maker's golf course before he withdrew. Um, but yeah, I mean, the one thing I will say with this course, just kind of the way it works out is 16, 17, 18. It's kind of like, get it to there and then hold on for dear life to the way the kind of course plays out. Uh, those holes normally playing over par 
for the entire week. But uh, yeah, well, obviously we'll look at some course history. I think we'll definitely look at uh, guys that are making a lot of birdies to, you know, potentially needing to get to that 20 under number. Um, but ob- obviously what we're always looking for is ball strikers, guys coming in with good ball striking form. So uh, without further ado, let's get into those favorites. I'll start it off with Rory McIlroy at nine to one. Uh, it's not a major, so you got to like his chances. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, honest question, though. Uh, I don't know if Rory would be playing this week if the live tour wasn't, you know, on the come up. Just from the fact that, you know, I, I spoke about this earlier. I think this is a kind of all hands on deck. Uh, yes, there are guys that like this event in the past, but you know, Rory playing four or five weeks in a row seems a little bit out of character. I think he's obviously, he's not playing John Deere or anything next week. And he's going to be probably playing the Scottish open as a prep for the for St. Andrews. But yeah, I guess, you know, when you got a mandatory players meeting or whatever, uh, might as well just, and also, also a lot of guys are playing this because they can pretty much, uh, I think it's only two hours from where the U S open venue was. So, you know, pretty easy travel, travel day for them. Um, but yeah, uh, fourth event in a row coming in here, he does have top twenties and all three of his starts here, nine to one absolute total pass. I'm not taking a guy at single digits. Uh, honestly, I'm getting to the point where I think this could be Rory's potential run out of gas week, you know, sell some tickets Thursday and Friday and then, bag it uh i am out on rory this week i don't think it's worth you know really taking him in a potential you know potentially to miss the cut or anything like that but you know you could shoot 69 69 miss the cut here so it's not the uh easiest golf course to if like we said if he gets a little squirrely with the driver doc we saw some pro tracers last week that uh, were a little concerning uh in terms of some of those snipes he was hitting but, uh, yeah, it could be a short week for Rory if he doesn't uh, really lock in from the start. Yeah, I agree with uh, with pretty much everything you said. You know, I worry about two things with Rory this week. Number one, as you noted, fourth week in a row playing. Uh, but number two, you know, there's a lot going on this week as far as uh, his player advisory council duties are concerned. You know, he's uh, on Jay Monahan's hip, you know, at every one of these player events and, you know, I wonder if the combination of, uh, you know, four straight weeks in a row playing and, you know, Jay Monahan turning uh, the travelers into another player teacher, yeah, player teacher conference uh, like the Genesis is going to wear him out as far as the mental side of the game is concerned. So I'm out on Roy too this week, um, you know, on to Scheffler, Scotty Scheffler, who's also nine to one. Um, you know, this is Scotty's sixth week in a row on the road. And, you know, his, his you know, value is pretty much completely gone um, after the second place finish at Brookline. I, I'm going to be just, off. What's the up? way he's been playing, I mean, he finished one shot back or whatever. And it's just crazy that, uh, I don't know, it's, he's, Scotty Sheffler is so good that he's almost like becoming underrated in the fact that, you know, for most players, you know, finishing third place in the US Open is like, or he was two shots back, correct? Yeah. Yes. It's just like with his B game too. Yeah. He's just there every week, every single week. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, doc at, at, uh, at single digits, a lot of these guys, I just don't know if it's really worth, uh, no, I'm hoping we get a miscut this week so we can get some better odds come Scottish and British. Um, yeah. 
for I, sure. I, 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 I think his matchups this week um, are against are would be against Rory or Cantlay, and you know, I coin flips to me for both of those. Yeah, I guess one thing going for uh, Scotty Scheffler is Ted Scott would have been on the bag, I'd assume, for Bubba's three wins at the Travelers. So wow, I didn't uh, think about that. It's a good point. So coming yeah. in here, uh, obviously, he's gonna kind of know where to go. Um, probably a little less stressful catting for Scotty than Bubba, I'd assume. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't have anything on Scotty this week. And Doc, uh, yeah, I'll roll us into. Uh... Go ahead. Yeah, the next guy would have been Justin Thomas, yeah. which I had prep on, but he just withdrew. So I'm just moving into Cantlet. He packed it in, led back yeah. to uh back to Jupe. And yep. yeah, so we're on to Patrick Cantlay at 14 to 1. Um, and I'm I'm excited to see uh what the last part of this season uh has in store for Patrick Cantley. He does not have a win uh this season because we don't count the Zurich, uh, but is seventh. I like that. Uh, in the FedEx Cup, thanks to seven top 10 finishes and has made over $5 million on the course this year. He comes back to a place in the Travelers uh, where he has had very strong finishes over the years. And I think, you know, at the very least, he finishes in the top five at the end of this week. His ball striking is always good, but part of, you know, the, the big aspect of his game that excites me about the rest of the season uh, is his putting numbers have particularly been on the rise over the last several several weeks, particularly at Memorial and last week at the U.S. Open, uh, played extremely well. Uh, so I'll definitely have uh, a few Cantlay tickets on my card this week. Yeah, guy who drives the golf ball really well, struggled with his irons a little earlier in the year. Um, top 15s in his last four starts at TPC River Highlands, which is obviously nice coming in here. And, you know, another guy who last week kind of just had a sneaky – top 20 at the at the u.s open um is uh you know obviously some decent form coming in here i don't have anything on him this week but uh but you know he's shown he's he's been consistent at this at this venue so uh 14 to 1 i think is a little steep for an outright ticket but definitely you could see him and if you can find a good price pick to place or matchup he's uh definitely one of those guys um next guy sam burns at 18 to 1 you know, we hit on Sam Burns at Colonial a couple weeks ago at 30 to 1. It seems like a tough guy to pass on the way he's playing. Two wins and a fourth place finish in his last seven starts. Uh, I'll be honest, though, he's one of those guys I don't really love playing in the teens. Uh, this is a course that has sent some studs home early over the years. You know, I talk about this. If you could shoot two rounds in the 60s and miss the cut here. Um, I'm looking for longer odd guys this week than uh, than Burns at 18 to one. So I'm a, he's a pass for me. Yeah, Led, I I do I do like Burns this week. You know his, his iron play at Brookline was disappointing relative to um, you know how good he has hit it over the last several months. Ranked second in approach on tour over the last four events, and I think you know, there's a great chance he gets his iron play back on track this week in a big way has had consistent finishes uh, at river Highlands over the years. I would stay away from the Burns Shoffley matchup. I, I don't think top 10 at plus two forty is a bad look um, on Burns. Uh, that that's, I, I think I will have that one on my card. We'll confirm when we get to, to the picks to place. Yep. 
And on to uh, to Jordan Spieth uh, at eighteen to one, second to last. He's like tw- he's like twenty five to one in some spots. Isn't is he? he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, a lot's changed with the Justin Thomas withdrawal and the Brooks Kepka withdrawal. A lot, a lot of stuff changing out there. Uh, Spieth finished last week seven over, tee to green, pretty average, uh, but really didn't get anything going on the greens. You know, luckily Cam Smith didn't have a good week either. So we hit the Spieth matchup over Smith. And as far as this week is concerned uh, for Jordan, he's a former Travelers winner uh, back in 2017, but has struggled to find his form here uh, over the past three starts, 18, 19, and 20, where, uh, you know, notably he had some struggles there in in 19 and 20 to keep his game afloat. Um, I'm going to look for a Spieth matchup this week. Uh, I feel much better about a ticket on him in that court category than a top five or top 10 this week. Um, you know, just in case, you know, the putting doesn't show up. It's been, it's been hit or miss. I don't think it's lost, but it's just not as, as hot as it's yeah. been. It's weird looking at Jordan Spieth and, you know, him being outside the top 100 kind of putter. Uh, you know, I was looking at him in the Keegan matchup and it's just weird being worried about, Jordan Spieth's putting compared to Keegan, right? Yeah. Keegan's having like a career year putting and Jordan's having not so great year. So that's the first time I'm sure Keegan's been a better putter technically according to the stats, but uh, Jordan really struggled with his putting kind of a couple months ago, kind of around that Harbortown win where that was the first time he had actually won a PJ tour event, losing strokes on the greens, but you know, he picked up five strokes on the greens at Memorial Um so the putting is starting to get a little bit better. So if you can find him at the mid twenties, I don't mind that ticket. You know, obviously former champ here doesn't hurt. Uh, but yeah, other than that doc, you know, moving into our next guy, Xander Shoffley, 20 to one on DraftKings. Uh, should we take a guy that never wins? Um, we might have to, you know, this guy was 14 to one last week at the U S open that obviously had every stud playing and now he's 20 to one at the travelers. That seems a bit mispriced to me. Uh, I think it's worth doing some shopping. I've seen him 21 to one on FanDuel. Uh, I just really like his consistency. You know, he's picking up strokes in every single category, his last five starts, he has seven top twenties in his last nine starts, you know, really playing some solid golf. He's coming in here with five straight top twenties. He's picking up almost six strokes tee to green in each of his last six starts. Uh, yeah, besides the fact that he just doesn't, you know, hasn't been able to close out these events on Sunday, I think, you know, if you can find him in the low twenties, it's definitely worth, uh, you know, taking a stab on, uh, with Xander's consistency, he's definitely a guy I'm looking for in a matchup. And, you know, I'll speak about that earlier, uh, sorry, later in the podcast, uh, in a matchup against Sam Burns, but yeah, I mean, the ball striking's there, the putting's there. He's kind of. Uh, you know, he's one of those guys who doesn't really have a flaw in his game, but, um, you know, in the low twenties, I absolutely like Xander this week. I love Xander to win 20 to one. Um, I, I would put it on your ticket. Uh, th- this is a guy, no one's trending, you know, harder than he is there, there, you know, there has to be a win at the end of this tunnel, uh, because there's absolutely no flaws in his game. It's not like the putting's held him back. It's like the ball striking, has held him back. He's so well-rounded as a player. Um, and Xander Shoffley at 20 to one will definitely be on my card this week. Uh, into our matchups for the travelers. I'll start it off here. Jordan Spieth over Keegan Bradley minus 110 on DraftKings Sportsbook. And like I said in the favorites discussion, 
Spieth is coming off a week where he did everything okay, and the putting was definitely not up to his standards. Uh, didn't lose a whole lot of shots, but really didn't make up any ground with the flat stick. Uh, but over the scope of his last 12 rounds, Spieth ranks uh, you know, inside the top 15 in all statistical denominations except putting. And I know the putting hasn't you know, quite been there for Jordan, but TPC River Highlands is a place that um, you know ha- that he has seen a few putts go in, a la his win here back in 2017. I believe in Jordan Spieth this week, and especially up against Keegan Bradley, who has been playing great but has had very mixed results at River Highlands. Uh, you know, I feel last week in Boston, Keegan's hometown, uh, just you know, just took a lot of energy out of him. Doc, you are uh, taking the words right out of my mouth. Uh, my, we might as well make it conversational. My actually, my first matchup is Jordan Spieth over Keegan Bradley, too, at minus 110. Um, to me, these guys should not be priced the same. This is like a tier one player versus a tier two player at minus, you know, and they're priced comparably. Uh, their stats are pretty similar from a ball striking standpoint. Uh, you know, Jordan, you know, we talked about it, been struggling with the, the putting. Doc, 100% what you're talking about in terms of, I know you can't really statistically maybe find something in terms of, uh, but it, you know, the way Keegan was reacting on 18 green, I mean, that guy was looking like he, um, you know, he was just as emotional as uh, Fitzpatrick there on the final green in terms of, um, you know, trying to pump up the crowd and the Boston chants and stuff like that. Um, You know, quick turnaround this week for him to get back on track. The stats are pretty comparable. Uh, Overall pedigree, course history, I'm leaning Spieth. Obviously, Spieth is a former winner here. But, um, yeah. And, Led, Led, you know, yeah, when you see him priced the same, you feel like you have to air with Jordan, like, 100% yeah. of the time. Yeah, know? exactly, exactly. Like if, if they paid 100, if they played 100 times, I think, uh, you know, Spieth is winning 60, 60% of the time, you know, kind of. And the fact that they're priced the same, uh, that's all day long for uh, – Keegan's, Keegan's Boston vibes are hilarious. They're just, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, um, you know, it, you have to respect it and not to get off on, on Keegan Bradley. My first matchup is Jordan Spieth over Keegan Bradley at minus one ten on DraftKings. I think led yours is as well. Yes. Yeah. But the, uh, you know, the Boston crowd, the only thing that would have been, uh, I think a little more, uh, hype would have been, you know, Keegan finishing in the top three, and then obviously Celtics Warriors going to game seven on Sunday after the open uh, yeah. would, have, would have been pretty ridiculous. But uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, to, to end off that, you know, matchup speed over Bradley, I, I just feel um, that the bottom line is anytime that you get these two guys priced the same, you have to air with speed. Yeah. hundred percent. Sometimes obviously we get pretty detailed and specific and, but sometimes it's pretty simple. Yeah. And, I mean, and uh, yeah, so that's, same thing for me. That's uh, that can be found on DraftKings. That's Spieth over Bradley minus one ten. For my other matchup, I'm going to be taking Xander Shoffley over Sam Burns plus one hundred. And this is another one that's pretty much mostly about the price. Uh, both these guys playing on a similar level. Of course, Sam Burns is having a much better year from a trophy standpoint with two wins. Uh, you know, Xander has a win, but it's a two-man event, whatever. Xander has been more consistent. Um, you know, I don't love fading Sam Burns the way he's been playing, but I just really like the way Xander it uh, 
has been, you know, striking it and putting and, you know, pretty much doing everything. That's what's so nice about Xander is, uh, like we said, you cannot find a weakness in this game. Sam Burns has been great with the irons, but so has Xander. Uh, Sam Burns being the second best iron player in this field, Xander being the third. So it's not like there's a huge uh, difference between those two. Uh, Xander has finished in the top 20 in the Travelers in two of his last three starts here. I feel like we can pretty much book another top 20. I'm not calling a Sam Burns miscut, but um, I think Xander's ability to hit a couple more fairways, you know, he's a four or 5% better uh, fairway percentage guy. I think that gives him an advantage in this matchup. The fact that he's going to be hitting potentially, you know, one or two more fairways around that's potentially, you know, the way the stats kind of work out. That's one more bogey per, per round for uh, Sam Burns if he's not able to, what is it, 0.46 over par coming from the rough here. So if Xander's hitting one or two more fairways around, I think that gives him a uh, no pretty good advantage. And it's plus 100. These are guys I see pretty much on the same level, and you're getting that plus 100 number. I think that's another another reason to take this matchup. That's Xander Shoffley over Sam Burns plus 100. Yeah, you know, tough matchup, as, as I said in the favorites. Uh, ultimately, you know how I stand on it with me thinking that, you know, Xander has a really good chance of winning. I'm going to be on 20 to 1, uh, but, I, but I certainly think this matchup will come down to Sunday and come down to the wire. I think Burns is going to be right there. Um, but, uh, but great pick there, Led. My next one is going to be Davis Riley over Aaron Wise um, at plus 112. Uh, on FanDuel and listen, both of these guys um, are playing extremely well. Wise was in contention at the U.S. Open uh, and finished second at the Memorial at Jack's Place. Um, you know, while Riley has been in the mix in nearly every event over the last two months, I love this price uh, for Riley over Wise because Riley has the edge on the greens. Uh, Aaron Wise with the claw crosshand belly putter grip, you know, has been very suspect on both POA and bent green. So um, we know, you know, it's going to be limited success on the BOA greens. Um, you have to love Davis Riley in this one, the guy we've been on for weeks now. And uh, you know, we'll continue to ride him if we get prices like this. So my, f- my, my final uh, matchup for this week is going to be Davis Riley uh, over Aaron wise at plus plus one twelve on FanDuel. I actually have another one coming in the best bets as well. Uh, but we move into picks to place, Lud. Yeah, my only pick to place is going to be Tony Finau, top 10, plus 400. I'm going to explain that a little further. Uh, that's going to be my best bet. Doc, I just saw, um, you know, sidebar. Uh, what's this JP McManus Pro-Am situation? Do you have much? Uh, um, this field looks stacked. <laughs> yeah. Is that part of the Scottish or no? I believe so. Tigers playing? Yeah, I think the Scottish might be a pro-am format now, like Pebble. Okay. And that's why it's co-sanctioned by the PGA Tour and it's on the tour schedule. I need to double-check on that. Though. So Tigers playing the Scottish Yes. Open. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, unless it's uh, unless I'm off on the date sled. Um, no, that sounds right. That sounds right. Um, But... Yeah, my only pick to place is going to be uh, female top 10. He has not the greatest course history here. He's uh, missed his last three cuts, but I think that number is a little bit over-exaggerated from what, um, you know, this is a guy who's been balling lately, but I will definitely uh, – uh, I'm off. Yeah. Uh, um, go ahead. Go ahead. 
but I, I'm saying I definitely be, uh, I'm going to be on fee now this week, uh, but I'll explain it later in the best bet. Perfect. And actually just to confirm, um, I, I didn't just to, to be correct. Uh, this JP McManus pro-am um, it, it's in Ireland. It's not part of the, um, it's not part of the Scottish open. This is just a pro-am out of Dare Manor, July 4th and 5th going to be on sky sports going to be on golf channel. Um, looking to see if this is part of the European tour, but uh, now it, it looks like it's just for charity led this program. It's helped raise over $140 million uh, for charitable organizations in the Midwest region of Ireland, big time golf area uh, since it first began in 1990. So um, that's status on that event. Maybe we'll see on some handicapping there. We'll get to that when when, yeah. when, it, when the time's right. Okay, so moving into my pick to place for this week, only have one of them. Uh, it's going to be Patrick Canley top five uh, at, at plus three thirty on bet three six five. We talked about this one uh, in the favorites. Talked about Cantlay uh, and a couple things. Tita Green, he's been extremely solid. You could argue the putting um, has been you know better than ever as of the last two events. And finally, he's shown that this is a tour stop where he's very comfortable with four top 20s here um, and six starts. And I'm going to pair this one up with with the uh, with a Cantlay winning ticket um, at 14 to one on DraftKings. Um, you know, uh, keeping it keeping the quantity small this week as far as the picks are concerned, uh, because I have a ton of confidence in um, in guys like Cantlay and in guys like Shoffle. Uh, so my one pick to place. For this week's going to be Patrick Cantlay top five at plus three thirty three on Bet three six five. Love it. Uh, moving into our outrights, um, both of these picks are pretty much just because I like the numbers. Uh, my first one's going to be Joaquin Neiman thirty five to one on DraftKings. Joaquin finished fifth here in twenty nineteen in his three for three in cuts cuts made at this venue. Um, you know, not the week he won at the U.S. Open. Uh, but one start before that, he was had a third place finish at Jack's place, Muirfield Village. There, um, you know, statistically, uh, Joaquin Neiman has struggled with a, a little bit of the accuracy with the driver um, this season. Um, but overall, the guy is such a good ball striker, good short game. He's you know kind of Xander White in the sense that you know tough to find a weakness in his game. I really like some of the shots he hits. You know, he, he's like the king of that kind of bullet driver out there, um, kind of fairway finder. So even if the driver does get a little squirrely, um, Doc, one of the shots I kind of remember from this golf course is obviously that 18th tee shot where if you put that thing in the fairway, you get like an extra 50 yards out of it. It just kind of comes chasing over the hill. I can see it. You know, some of the time these bets, you can just see it. You know, yeah. I can see that bullet. That you can bullet feel it. It's got, the, it on it's got the it factor. You know, yeah. strokes gained, momentum is at a high. I love it, lad. Yeah. Um, I was looking at some of his stats. Doc, tell me why PGA Tour needs to have this stat. Total club speed. Total club head speed of drives he's hit this year. Is that is, is that 13. ball speed and swing speed combined? No, it's every drive that he's hit, miles per hour, just added together. Interesting. On to my picks to win. I've already, I've already uh, said them. Patrick Cantlay fourteen to one on DraftKings, and Xander Shoffley twenty to one on DraftKings. Uh, Led and I same dark horse this week. I'll let Led um, explain it. 
our guy, Denny McCarthy, what a week at the U.S. Open. He did have a good week at the U.S. Open. Doc, before I, I got one more pick to win, okay. uh, Aaron Wise, 50 to 1 on DraftKings. Aaron broke my heart last week. You know, I had him in a top 20 plus 300. Uh, the guy was, uh, you know, I mean, he was, he was leading the round. He was leading the golf tournament, uh, you know, at some point during the second round shot 75, 74 on the weekend to finish 26, a couple shots outside that top 20 number. Anyways, he owes me. So we're going back to the well at the travelers with Aaron wise, um, you know, prior to, uh, you know, prior to the U S open Aaron finished runner up at Memorial where he gained almost eight strokes with the irons. The start before that, he finished 23rd at the PGA. He's gained strokes on the greens in three straight events. He's gained strokes off the tee in 10 of his last 11. Uh, he's gained, yeah, off the tee in 10 of his last 11 and uh, with his irons in five of his last six. This is a guy who has won on tour. Uh, I think he's, he's kind of due, uh, honestly. Uh, you know, he does have a bit of a funky putting technique for sure, but you know, like I said, he's kind of in that Mito Pereira range. If if he gets the putter going, he is a tough guy to beat. Um, I think 50 to one is a good number for him, especially uh, with the ball striking uh, numbers as of late. So that second pick to win is Aaron Wise, 50 to one on DraftKings. Moving into, uh, you know, dark horse kind of bet here. We got Denny McCarthy, top 20 plus 200 on DraftKings. This man has made 11 cuts in a row after a great showing at Brooklyn. I think he keeps it rolling this week in Connecticut. Uh, Denny has picked up 20 strokes on the greens in his last five starts, which are highlighted obviously by that U.S. Open top 10 last week and a fifth place finish at Memorial. Um, he doesn't quite have the course history here, um, but he's playing the best golf of his life right now. So you can kind of toss it out the window. I think doc, a lot of times, you know, we'll look at a guy who's, oh, he's uh, finished T55 last year and he missed the cut the two years before. But sometimes it takes two, three, four years for guys to kind of find their footing on the PJ Tour and then they're kind of a different player. So, you know, that those are the times where it's like, okay, you might not have this, you might not have finished in the top 10 here last year, but he's, you know, exponentially better golfer than he was a Way year different ago. player. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, um, this is a man who's on tour, honestly, because of his putting. I mean, looking at those putting stats, uh, he's right up there with, you know, one of the, being one of the best putters on tour. If he just has a decent ball striking week, I think he'll be right in there for a top 20. So I think Denny McCarthy top 20 plus 200. Um, that's a good price for him. And doc, I'll just roll it into our DraftKings lineups. Perfect. Um, I'm going to go with Xander Shoffley, Tony Finau, Aaron Wise, Denny McCarthy, Doug Gim, and I'm throwing Austin Cook in there who had a nice week at the uh, RBC in Canada. We have uh, a couple of the same guys. I'm going Xander Shoffley, Davis Riley, uh, Jason Day, uh, Honorbon Lahiri, Sahith Thagala, uh, and Denny McCarthy. Denny McCarthy um, is priced lower than Lahiri, Thagala, and Day. Uh, which I find shocking. Make sure to add McCarthy to your lineups, our dark horse and the caboose uh, in my lineup. Onto our scoring predictions, Led, you bastard. You won the U.S. Open last week. It's six under. Yes. Um, I had five. Good win there. Um, I'm predicting the winning score of the Travelers to be 20 under this week. 
I'm going 18. I'm going 18 under par. Uh, over the last eight events, the average – or sorry, the last eight Travelers events, um, the average winning score has been 16.5 under par. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, even going – looking to next week at the Live or whatever, right? Yeah. After – I mean, there weren't even that guys that finished the week under par at the live golf event. Right. So, you know, looking, I know we're talking about different tournament, looking yeah. at pumpkin Ridge. Yeah. I think they want to see some birdies happen. So I feel like they don't, they don't want uh, Andy Ogletree shooting 85. So I think they might try to make it as easy as possible um, for those guys next week. I think so uh, as well. I've heard pumpkin fe- or pumpkin Ridge is a, is a birdie fest, not that appealing on TV. Um, but we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. There's only one event in, so uh, we'll keep tabs and on that. Yeah, Doc. Speaking of course difficulty, what did you think about U.S. Open? I mean, I didn't like it at all. They're like syringing, watering the greens mid round, and it, it was just too soft. Like, yeah, I mean, what else? Like, well, you might as well mow yeah. the rough in the afternoon for the guys. I think a lot of waves and morning afternoon like you know kind of situation where a course plays harder in the afternoon as us open as it dries out uh the fact that they're kind of manipulating that seems unfair i honestly think once they tee off in the morning the course should go untouched you know it should be one of those things that the course the course should be set up in a way where it can it can be untouched right from you don't have but it just seems a little fraudulent that uh, you know they're watering a green before a guy's hitting a second shot into a par three that's downwind. It's he's playing it at a different. Uh, it just seems I don't know. It just seems wrong to me to be kind of messing with that kind of stuff. Yeah, they, uh, they so they syringed halfway through Friday. I, I you know didn't agree with that move from the USGA either because um, we would have seen the course on the weekend you know really firm up. You know the greens turn into cement kind of an out of hand situation that the fan wants to see. Uh, yeah, I, I will be, I will say I am biased. biased. I want, uh, I want carnage. Yeah. We want mayhem. We want to yeah. see it. Um, I thought, you know, the country club was an excellent venue. I, I, I hope they go back on these years that the open goes to St. Andrews because um, I mean, we, we did hear the, the, we met story, you know, 10 million times this week, but there is so much good history to the storyline of the country club. And, to follow uh, the next major, the open at St. Andrews seems um, incredibly special. We're going to wrap up here with our best bets for the travelers. Uh, mine is Sahith the gala over Johnny Vegas at plus plus one twelve on bet online. And this is an absolute diamond in the rough. The gala um, has really been trending in the right direction, making his last three cuts including a T5 finish at the Memorial. And, you know, about a month ago, we were seeing the Gala make cuts, but struggle on the weekend, had some control issues with the driver uh, and was not putting well. But over the past four to five weeks, he's really started to, you know, to drive the ball well, has had some fantastic finishes. And on the other side of this matchup, Johnny Vegas, you know, ranks outside of the top 100 in strokes gained total over his last 12 events. And, has really been struggling on the greens um, as he has lost at least a stroke on the greens in five of his last six events. So my best bet's going to be Sahith Thigala over Johnny Vegas at plus 112 on bet online. 
a solid pick. I like it. That could have been, you know, dark horse eligible. It could have been. Sahith, sure. Sahith, you know, top five, top ten, not a bad dark horse this week. Love it. Uh, for my best bet, I'm taking Tony Finau, top ten, plus 400. Tony has missed the cut the last three times he has played this event. Um, it's almost fluky at this point, given the caliber of the player he is. Um, you know, if he hated this course so much, I don't think he'd be playing this week, quite honestly. Uh, you know, there are guys that kind of pick their spots, and the fact that he's, you know, running it back again, it doesn't mean, like, you know, he's broken mentally on his golf course. Uh, sure, he had to roll up for the uh, players-only meeting. But <laughs> anyways, uh, this there was some honestly- There was some Finau rumors circulating earlier this week, but I think he's I think he's staying on the tour. Yeah, for sure. For sure, he got talked in by his Utah boys. Uh, but anyways, uh, this course should set up perfect for him the way he drives the golf ball. Um, you know, this is a guy who finished second in Canada and fourth in the Charles Schwab, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago. Uh, at no point should this guy be 40 to one, especially the way he's putting. I don't care what the golf course is. He's picking up over eight strokes on the greens in his last three starts. Doc, I'm going to add one more outright. I'm going to sprinkle a little Tony 40 to one. I wow. just think a guy, I just, I just think a guy who's finished. Second at RBC and uh, fourth at the Charles Schwab two weeks ago. Yes, he missed the cut at the U.S. Open, but um, like we said, those things are sometimes a little bit fluky there. Um, I think Tony will make the cut and we'll, you know, we'll play well here. Uh, the way this golf course is, you know, he could be one of those guys who just – you know, the tee times, I haven't looked at him yet, but he could be one of those guys who he gets out there early, throws up a 63, and then he's just in it for the rest of the uh, the week here. And, I mean, obviously Rory kind of went out and won it the final round at the RBC, but, uh, you know, Tony was right in there pretty much shot for shot with him. So I think, you know, top 10 plus 400, I think that's a, an amazing number and not a number you can normally find on a player of his caliber. People are just seeing miscuts all over the place uh, at this event and kind of overreacting to it. So, yeah, for my best bet, it's going to be Tony Finau, top 10 plus 400 with a light sprinkle at uh, 40 to 1. The pregame.com forum is a great place to share your picks, opinions, and questions with other sports bettors. Have a question about this week's tournament? Simply log into your pregame.com account, click on forum, type in your question, and boom, you just started your conversation. The pregame.com forum is in real time and is open 24-7 around the clock. Want to share stats, odds, or who you think is the greatest of all time? The pregame.com forum is the place to do it. The forums are filled with passionate sports fans just like yourself. If you haven't signed up for pregame.com yet and haven't experienced our forums, you are missing out. Be a part of our community and be a part of pregame. Haven't signed up for pregame.com yet? Well, if you haven't now the time this is the time to do so pregame.com will give you a free $25 site purchase just for signing up signing up takes 90 seconds and you could take advantage of being a site member by making and tracking your own picks you can post your own picks and analysis in our pregame.com forums draw a following and become a valued member sign up today and receive $25 site credit to purchase premium picks from one of pregame's very own professional handicappers today. Get your free best bet right now today on pregame.com forums. Great work today, and that will do it on the Golf Preview Podcast here on RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Uh, and we will see you 
next week for a little John Deere talk and a little live talk uh, out yes. there at, at Pumpkin Ridge um, as far as next week is concerned. Lad, great job today. Best of luck, everyone, with their picks.